following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I thought as I started to get ready for the message today how, um, how obvious it was to me that the Lord set aside this portion of Scripture and allowed me to share it with you because I've got a great affinity for what Timothy was going through as Paul wrote him these words. Um, I came to pastor this church when I was 33 years old. It was about the same age as Timothy was when Paul wrote him this letter. Um, and I had very, very little preaching experience to boot. And I was not only expected to come and preach the Word, but also to lead the congregation. Earlier, before we were called here, we were coming just to preach the Word. What we found was the church didn't have a pastor, and they were running the church by bringing in different candidates each week. At the time, Peg and I were worshiping at the Advent Christian Church in Wolfboro, and we lived in Wolfboro. And we found out that there were some days that they just didn't have church because they didn't have a candidate. They didn't have anybody in the church then that was able to preach or keep the church running. So if they didn't get a candidate to come in on a Sunday, they didn't have church. So we kind of volunteered, and I said, you know, if you don't have somebody on a given Sunday, let me know. I can come and say something. You know, and we kept the, kept the church going that way. But that's a little different than saying God's leading me there and I'm going to now be responsible for leading the congregation, not just preaching the Word on a Sunday morning to keep the doors open. So I came here in the fall of 1980, a young man with little experience, very little biblical education, but trusting that this is what God wanted. I think I had preached two sermons before I came here. I bet Timothy and I had a lot of the same feelings as Paul calls him into ministry and says, here's what I have for you. And I know Pastor Heath went through much of the same experiences as he watched the Lord leading in his life and bringing him into full-time ministry. Let's take a look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you because of your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to public speaking, public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Don't neglect the gift you have which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will both save both yourself and your hearers. Paul basically says to Timothy, be an example. Be an example. He gives him some specifics the way you talk, the way you conduct yourself, the way you love others, how you exercise your faith. Timothy had a pretty difficult task ahead of him. By this time, he was in his mid-30s. Back in those days, you were considered over the hill to when you get to about 40. (laughs) 
And that's why uh, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. I know some of the teens sitting here thinking, 33-year-old, <laughs> you're over the hill. <laughs> Remember back in, Paul, in chapter 1, Paul urges him to correct those who teach a different doctrine and to teach them not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies and so forth. Most of these men that needed to change, they were older than he was. And many of them held positions of authority within the church. And Paul says to Timothy, I want you to go. And one of the challenges that God has for you is you need to straighten out what these men are speaking that's not right. Wow. (laughs) A tough assignment for a young man. And Paul tells him how to go about doing it without rousing any ire or opposition. He said, if you do it these ways, people are not going to complain about the way you're teaching. Paul makes it clear from this passage that what he's asking Timothy to do is going to require a whole life being aimed in the right direction. He just can't prepare a little bit, go in and do a good sermon, preach to them, go home, he says, no, you've got to do all these things, your speech and your conduct and, and, and so forth. Paul says, do these two things, let and set. Let no one despise you for your youth and set the believers an example. Now, before you start believing that this word is just for young pastors, let me remind you about Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Those words were for all of us, folks, not just for a young pastor. And if we're going to be called to be his witnesses in this lost and dying world, then our lives, too, need to mimic what Paul is spelling out for Timothy. He says, for Timothy, this will prepare you. This will have you ready to do what God wants you to do among the people. And he would ask the same of us. And compared to others, if we look at youthfulness, most of us, compared to others, are young in our walk with the Lord. It may not be our actual chronological age. But if you want to be a better witness, then you too can learn from Timothy's instructions. So as we look closer to what Paul asked of him this morning, I want you to be thinking about it in terms of what Paul is, what God is providing for you through Paul's words. How you can be a better witness. How God can use you in a more powerful way with the people that He puts around you that need to know about Christ. So Paul starts and he warns Timothy to be concerned about and aware about how he comes across to other people. He's supposed to be sensitive to how other people see him. Command and teach these things. If you're in any kind of position of authority, and even if you're not, we kind of like that, don't we? Command. I want you to command. (laughs) You ever watch a kid command with their younger siblings? You watch them in the playground and the older one all of a sudden takes charge. And he's going to straighten out his younger brother or sister. They love doing that. However, the word command here actually means proclaim or announce. 
It doesn't mean what we normally think of when you take command of something. He says, proclaim or announce. Call their attention to it. But he's also saying, don't do this in an authoritative way. I'm not asking you to boss or lord this over them. Call attention to what needs to change. That's the idea. And he says, there's ways to do it where people will accept what, what you're saying to them. How then is Timothy supposed to proceed? Well, Paul says, by setting a good example in two areas, your speech and your conduct. What you say and what you do. You're let and you're set, right? Three qualities come through as we learn how to control our speech and our conduct. Love and faithfulness and purity. That means loving and faithful and pure speech. So you think about that for a minute. How is my speech loving? How is my speech faithful to the Lord that I love? How is my speech pure? And loving and faithful, pure behavior. How is what I do loving? How is what I do faithful? And how is what I do pure? First of all, in your witness, be loving. That would mean not arrogant, not rude, not critical, not cruel or sharp in either the way you say it or what you do. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's what God asks of us. Think before you speak. We've just got done in, in our small groups looking at controlling our tongue in uh, James. Much the same teaching. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. You've got to be faithful to your commitments. Not flattering, not using insincere words, not being irresponsible, unreliable, not breaking promises. When people look to you, do they see faithfulness? Do they see a person of God who stands behind what it is they said? Do you follow through? And the third quality is purity. I don't know anything that spoils a person's witness quicker than impurity. First Peter one six says very simply, be holy because I'm holy. Purity. Do what I do what I show you, do what I ask. Follow me. And when you think back to the history of this time and this man and where he was, here's Timothy in the midst of Ephesus, and Ephesus was a city that was just overrun with sexual immorality. Believe it or not, it was more prevalent in Ephesus, then we would look at and say California today. That's the place Timothy was. And yet he was expected to maintain a pure standard in the midst of that world that God had put him in and the people he'd placed him there to minister to. That means God would expect of him no vulgarities and no dirty stories, no double meanings, no laughing at inappropriate things. No indulging in pornography. 
Timothy, Paul says, you've got to not just talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. You've got to do it. If people see that in your life, they'll believe the message you're bringing in Christ. But if they hear you say one thing and they watch you do something else, then they won't put faith in what it is you're bringing them from God. James 1.23 said, Doers of the Word, not hearers only. You know, you got to not just listen, not just read, not just believe, but obey. Do it. And then Paul, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that teaching folks ought to consist of reading the Scriptures in public and exhorting and teaching. That means we've got to proclaim. We've got to speak about it. It's not bad for people just to be able to watch your life and say there's something different about that person. Maybe I want to find out why. That kind of a silent witness isn't bad. But it's not all that God expects. God expects you to be His witnesses and go out and talk to those that need to hear the good news of salvation in Christ. And He says you need to urge them. We need to open it up and make clear and explain what the Scripture says. And the challenge is to think back in your own lives how long it has been since God's been able to use you to bump into the life of somebody else that He's placed right around you and to be able to urge or open up and explain and talk about what the Word of God says. And not in a way that's critical, not in a way that's putting them down, but in a loving way that shows them Christ. That's what he's asking of Timothy. And that's what he's asking of us. All of these things that Paul asks of Timothy, they all focus on the Word of God. We get together on a Sunday morning and in small groups and individually as our lives mesh through the week. We get it so that we might hear the Word of God. Particularly on a Sunday morning, we come... And we want to hear that word preached by a man of God, led by the Spirit of God, implanting that word into every individual life and heart. That's what a Sunday morning is supposed to consist of. And that's what Paul urges of Timothy. I praise God that that's what Pastor Heath brings to us each week. And then Paul gives us three steps in the process behind the instruction. He says, don't neglect the gift that you have. Now, he's not even speaking specifically of that list of spiritual giftedness that God may provide and, and, and give at a particular time. I'm a firm believer, if you look at that list, that if God opens an opportunity for you to serve or witness or speak, He'll give you any of those gifts that you need at the time if you're willing to be obedient and follow Him. It's not like, well... I have the gift of discernment, so all I can do within the church is discern. No. If God puts an opportunity in front of you for you to be able to teach, then He'll give you the ability to teach. What we need to do is listen to the Holy Spirit as He leads us in our witnessing and sharing our faith with other people. We need to listen to what God is doing. 1 Corinthians Three says immaturity is when we follow other people and don't follow God. 
You remember in that, in that portion, he said, uh, some said, oh, I follow Apollos and I follow so and so and Paul. And Paul says, that's foolish. God uses every man uniquely in his way. And whatever he's got in store for you today and throughout this next week, he'll provide you whatever you need to get it done. If you be willing to say, Lord, here I am, use me. He says to Paul, you better prepare. Prepare thoroughly. For the preacher, that's a task of getting ready to bring a message before you. When, when um, I talk with Heath, I hear his heart. Um, we see his heart sometimes when he's here preaching. Um, but you got to know that as he goes through the Scriptures and as he prays and as he prepares to bring that message to you each week, um, that's a heart-wrenching process. And he spends as much time laughing and, and teary-eyed getting ready to come here on a Sunday morning than he does when God moves on his heart to bring it to us. What's that mean for us? It means we need to know what God's Word says about His plan of salvation. We need to know what it means in terms that I can be able to tell somebody. Um, do I understand where my faith is? Do I know what it is I believe? Am I going to be ready at a moment's notice to be able to communicate that to other people? If God's put a particular friend or neighbor or coworker on your heart, are you spending time praying before witnessing to that person that God has opened the door with you to share? It's being thoroughly prepared. You know, somebody comes to you or calls you or sends you a text or a Twitter statement and they want to get together. You know, can I meet with you? I got some, And you can tell it's a, a spiritual thing. Um, don't just say sure. Find out what it is. What's the topic? What, what is it? How, how, and then you have time to pray and you have time to prepare so that you're ready with God's Word to be able to give some good counsel and be that kind of a help your brother or sister needs. Thirdly, Paul says, keep it personal. In your witness, keep it personal. If you're talking to somebody who's truly seeking spiritual uh, truth, what they need to know is, how has this relationship with Jesus made a difference in your life? That's a pretty easy question, but it may not be a quick answer that you have. But it's probably one of the first things your friend is going to ask. You know, I, I understand what you're telling me, that he died on the cross, that he did this for me. He did it so that I can new, have new life. What? Tell me about your new life. What's happened? How do you know that, coming, that Christ coming into your life has made a difference? Be ready. Be sincere. I mentioned earlier how, you know, pastor keeps his heart out on his sleeve. You know, it's pretty easy to tell when his emotions are there. It's clear that he loves the Lord. It's clear that he loves us. And we often witness God's Word ministering to him as he ministers to us. That's a powerful thing. We need to be like that. We need to be that transparent. 
When Paul says you will save both yourself and your hearers, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about salvation there in terms of a new person coming to Christ. I can say that with surety because who did he say it to? Timothy, hello, who was already saved. So he's not saying do these things so that you get saved. Timothy already was saved. And we're most of the people that he was talking to. He's talking about salvation in the sense of fulfillment of my relationship with Christ. Maturity with my relationship with the Lord. Growing in my walk with Him. That's the idea. We've got such a great opportunity to be proclaimers of the Word of God. So we've got to take these things to heart. God can use you effectively if you'll be steeped in love and faithfulness and purity in both your speech and your behavior. If you'll be one who will take the Word of God seriously and utilize the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare you thoroughly, our lives need to match what we say we believe. God cares more about who you are than what you say you are. Who you are. Than what you say you are. We need to be an example through God's Spirit's power. Here's your challenge this week. I'd like you to explain God's plan of salvation to a close Christian friend in three to five minutes. I'd like you to take time. For some of you, maybe your spouse. But within three or five minutes, can you explain to them, like they were uh, an unknowing, uh, unsaved person, can you explain to them God's plan of salvation? If you're not able to do with it, to do that, then I'd say spend the time to sit down with a friend and work that out. Get out a little three by five card, whatever, you and your friend work it out, and then do it. Just think what God can do through us if we'll follow Paul's instructions and become effective witnesses for the Lord. What we sang coming into the message this morning was that we were offering all of me. Well, the challenge Paul says, are you? Are you willing? Are you ready to be used in whatever way he does? And expect it. Be so bold that when you start your day in the morning, you say, Lord, open my eyes to who it is first that you put in my life today that needs Christ. And may I be prepared to be able to share that love and that word from the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the heart that you have given us in Pastor Heath. I thank you for the heart he has in reaching the lost for Christ. And I pray, Father, continuing that you would just bless him this week, that he and Carol Ann and his family would have some great time of R&R. But I know, Lord, in the midst of camp, you're going to be using him to share these things and minister to others. It's our heart's desire this morning, Lord, that you have full control. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to direct us as we go into the week ahead and use us, Lord. Open our eyes to see who it is you'd open for us to minister to. Empower us, Lord. Strengthen us in your word that we'll be ready. And let us come together again rejoicing in what you have done as we serve you and you only. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, 
Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.